Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ron Blake. What's happening, Ronsky? You. That's what's happening. This is bizarre to be interviewing one of my closest friends because <laughs> I know everything about you. <laughs> so like, oh. what am I going to ask you? I know. Okay. So, Ron, tell us about uh, <laughs> your life. You're one of the few saxophone players I can think of who really likes the bottom of the horn. Oh, yeah. You really play the tenor saxophone. Would you agree? I mean, you know, feel free to disagree, but I find that a lot of the tenor saxophone players who get a certain sense of critical recognition actually play the alto saxophone <laughs> on the tenor saxophone. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because, I mean, I started on the alto saxophone. So I think even when I first started playing tenor, I had a tendency to try to play the tenor more like an alto. Mm. And... Um, as over the years, and I think just my influences, obviously, um, I heard a need to reinvestigate. And I, I think I'm still on a path to, to really getting my sound down there, too. But I just feel that that's, that, that was the main reason why I switched from, from alto, was to get all of that mm -hmm. you know, into my sound. And, um, yeah, I mean, probably, I mean, I hear a lot of cats that, you know, that tend to play the top part of the horn yeah. a lot, and um, they sound great. But you know, oh yeah, it's, just, it's definitely you know. it's definitely um, it's an acquired taste. Speaking of the tenor saxophone down in the bottom of the horn, mm -hmm. I know Johnny Griffin was a uh, big mentor to you. You know, mm -hmm. like a like a second dad, kind of like Ray Brown was for me. Mm -hmm. And both of those cats like the bottom of their instruments. Yeah. You know, I think of Griff. I love hearing him get that full earth-shaking A flat yeah, out of the horn. Yeah, yeah. You know him and Dexter, and yep. you come right out of that, man. Oh man, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Griff there. loved you. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> how, did, was, how did you meet Griff? It's a long, long story, but I think when I that I really met him and and actually began, you know, to have to form a relationship with with him was when I did the um, Tenors of Our Time CD with Roy Hargrove back in '94. Four, yeah. And um, we stayed in touch ever since. You play with such a modern sensibility, but you have that, it, it comes from that old school place, but it's definitely in, in new shoes. I think it was it's just a, a concept of, of playing how you play with a rhythm section, kind of tuned into, and I, f I felt like that was more important. Um, you know, I was playing with a great rhythm section at the time, working with Roy Hargrove's band. And um, well, you told me a story. I remember a specific story you told me. It was at in St. Louis at the Bistro. It kind of probably started there. Yeah, I think you know. He said the, Greg Hutchinson was just force feeding it to you, like yeah, change the day, change the day. We we did um we did of Kindred Souls. Yeah, um the live recording, and um as soon as we got done with that we were on the road we were just on the road at that time that band just stayed on the road and um, my sensibility about playing and interacting probably comes from a more of an old school thing but yeah I mean, you know definitely you know starting out on alto and uh you know early on when i was you know when i was a kid i mean i was i say that now because is going, when you hear this, the cast that hear this will be laughing because they know I'm probably about the same age as them. But I mean, you know, Branford, um, sure. 
uh, Steve Coleman, all those cast. That was the kind of stuff that I was gravitating towards originally. And um, after I came to New York and um, started to see, uh, you know, it was a much different scene too in New York. You know, I had a yeah. really, really healthy experience um, coming up in Chicago in that you could play with a blues band one night, you could play with a reggae band one night. I was just going to ask you, you that. You could play like with some, some older cats. that would had like, like the AACM cats. And there were the AACM cats. And right. everybody would call you and right. you could really get, you right. know, around to right. different things and exposed to a lot of different things. You could go play fusion down at the right. Bulls. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. And then when I came to New York, it was more compartmentalized when I was a kid listening, younger, listening to Vaughn and sitting in next to Vaughn, that you could paint broad pictures and you could get very complex and everything too, but there was still something about the element of their sound or the, the way that they played. And I'm thinking about the names that we've called off, you know, players who were very important to you, you know, Vaughn Freeman, Johnny Griffin, Clifford Jordan, uh, Benny Golson. You listen to the way that you play, not only with, you know, we've been playing together in my band for, you know, going on nine years, but you hear you with uh, Michelle and Deggio Cello, mm -hmm. you hear you play with Yerba Buena, uh, whoever it may be. And, you know, I think it's really, you have captured that thing that all modern musicians strive for, and that's you have one foot out and one foot in. And that's something I learned, I think, from being around um, being around Roy Hargrove a lot, yeah. too. You know, uh, another element of your background that plays a big part in your sound and your style is your Caribbean roots. I believe it was your first Mac Avenue recording, right? It was, Lest yeah. Lest we forget. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, you produced that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you turned me on to... Uh, Assault Navidenio. Oh, this old Christmas tune. Yeah. Assault Navidenio. <laughs> now, what was the name of that, that group again? Um, I turned you on to a band called um, uh, The Ten Sleepless Nights. Right. <laughs> I turned you on to a recording of uh, and that Stanley was, and The Ten Sleepless Nights. And that was like from the early 60s, maybe? No, man. I mean, that music still exists right now in the Virgin Islands and, and British Virgin Islands. But I mean, too. that recording, that the that original recording, recording. That recording that I had of, yeah, that one was probably maybe from the early 70s. Early maybe. 70s, okay. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's like, uh, they call that music Quail Bay. Ah, uh, and that the, they call those kind of bands. Um, they call them scratch scratch band. Uh, they call them they call them scratch band. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I tried to incorporate a lot more of those elements in 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 the music that I do, and and make it relevant. Just like um, you know, there's the Afro-Cuban music and 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 so many different um, styles and rhythms from different parts of Latin America and the Caribbean right. as well. Proven too. Now, were there any particular musicians, like uh, when you were a kid in, in St. Thomas, that kind of mentored you? Like, who was like the Johnny Griffin of, of St. Thomas? Wow. Well, yeah, when I was a kid, there were a few saxophone players that I heard um, quite a bit of, but probably the most prominent when I was, before I really got a saxophone in my hands and wanted to play, there was a guy called um, by the name of Arthur Yepsen, actually a tenor player that you know a lot of people probably would know about more from his work with um, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. But um, John Toussaint, sure, he's from St. Thomas also, 
And when sure. I was a kid, John was actually um, in high school with my brother. And then when I got a little bit older, there was a guy by the name of um, Ohaldo Williams mm. that played, um, and he'd been on the scene in New York for years. There were, there were a whole bunch of cats too, the LaMotta brothers that were up playing like the hotel scene and stuff, playing like sure. Caribbean music and stuff in New York, like in the late 40s and stuff like that. But they were playing jazz too and, you know, mm, and right. let me don't, you know, the one main cat, the cat that bought me my first alto, like from Manny's, right? <laughs> when I was door. in junior high, <laughs> exactly. Um, Alwyn Richards, uh -huh. Lad Richards. Now, he was a cat that played jazz. He knew all of those old tunes and stuff, but he played jazz and he had a gig for many years at um at lounge at a hotel play april in paris and laura and all that yeah kind of stuff yeah and just you know and play it <laughs> now you and your homeboy dion parsons mm -hmm. the great drummer you guys started a, a group 21st century that, that got started um around the mid 90s right yeah around 96 yeah and that kind of uh that group kind of addressed Directly, the, the, the hometown. Exactly. The home ground. Exactly. That's a wonderful band. You guys, uh, I know you guys just played here in New York not that long ago. Mm -hmm. Well, how, how long ago has that been now when you guys played? Uh, this summer? Disney's. Right, right. Yeah. Just a few months back. Yeah. But, you know, you, you've done, you've covered so much ground since you've been on the scene. Uh, I remember meeting you when you first joined Roy's band. <laughs> and uh, I think it was Stephen Scott that told me about you oh, for the wow. first time. He says, uh, yeah, this cat Ron Blake uh, from Florida just joined uh, <laughs> Roy Hargrove's band. I was like, man, ain't, ain't got no cats in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I remember the first time I heard you. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you knocked everybody out, man. Wow. You know, and then... You played on one of Steven's records, I believe. Yeah, beautiful thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, from that point on, man, you were always uh, in in the vision, you know, in the peripheral vision. I was like, okay, one of these days, me and this cat are going to get together and, and, and play. Not too long ago, actually, it's been, what, three seasons now? You've been on the Saturday Night Live band? Yeah, it just started my fourth season. Well, man, you, you know, know, I've always thought of you in, in my band, I've always thought of you as somewhat as the bassist because you, you, you always have a very uh, leveling effect on the band, you know, wow. uh, because we have two tornadoes in Keezer and Terry on yeah. Gully. Yeah. And so you always, you know, bring it back into focus. So I'm like, <laughs> man, we got two bass players in the band. <laughs> That's a huge compliment, Chris. And it's great when you're not playing too, but you know, you just got to. Tighten up the seatbelt a yeah. little tighter. <laughs> it's all gravy, but uh, you know, I'm I'm very glad that um, you know we've been able to make so much music together through the years, and and still getting together over a, a Johnny, yeah, and, and a Cohiba, and, and a Cohiba, <laughs> talking about whatever, <laughs> yeah, all of that, all of that. <laughs> 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 